Welcome to the Liturgist Podcast. You are now listening to Black History is American History. I'm William Matthews. Hey, I'm Propaganda. I'm Nikki Black. And I'm Andre Henry. Today's moment in Black history, Fred Hampton. Frederick Allen Hampton, born August 30th, 1948, was an American activist and revolutionary socialist. As a youth, Hampton was gifted both in the classroom and athletically and dreamed of playing center field for the New York Yankees. He graduated from Proviso East High School with honors in 1966 and majored in pre-law. He planned to become more familiar with the legal system to use it as a defense against the police when he and fellow Black Panthers later followed the police in his community supervision program. Watching out for police brutality, they used his knowledge of the law as a defense. Hampton rose quickly in the Black Panthers based on his organizing skills, substantial oratorial gifts, and personal charisma. Once he became the leader of the Chicago chapter, he organized weekly rallies, worked closely with the Black Panther Party's local people's clinic, taught political education classes every morning at 6 a.m. and launched a project for community supervision of the police. Hampton was also instrumental in the Black Panther Party's free breakfast program. When Bob Brown left the party along with Stokely Carmichael in the FBI fomented Panther split, Hampton assumed chairmanship of the Illinois State Black Panther Party chapter. Because of his strong leadership, in 1967, the FBI identified Hampton as a radical threat and began to try to subvert his activities in Chicago, sowing disinformation among these groups and placing counterintelligence operatives in local Panther chapters. In December of 1969, Hampton was shot and killed in his bed during a pre-dawn raid at his Chicago apartment by a tactical unit of the Cook County State Attorney's Office in conjunction with the Chicago Police Department and the FBI. During the raid, another Panther was killed and several seriously wounded. In January 1970, a coroner's jury held an inquest and ruled that the deaths of Hampton and Mark Clark to be justifiable homicide. A civil lawsuit was later filed on behalf of the survivors and the relatives of Hampton and Clark. It was resolved in 1982 by a settlement of $1.85 million. The city of Chicago, Cook County, and the federal government each paid one-third to a group of nine plaintiffs. Given the revelations about the illegal Quantel Pro program and documents associated with the killings, scholars have widely considered Hampton's death and assassination under the FBI's initiative. The Black Messiah. So can we talk about that the FBI killed Fred Hampton? I don't know why they word it like they consider Hampton's death an assassination like that. I mean, it, it was. was absolutely an assassination. Yeah. There's a uh, list that goes back to Woodrow Wilson about like Negro agitators, you know. Being and on a kill list? No, that you need to watch out for these people because mm-hmm. they're going to rile up the Negroes. And then Nixon had his list that he, he yeah. was like, they can't get a messiah. 
if they get a messiah we're done and they were like fred hampton's that guy we got to kill him mm -hmm. i didn't know that it was he was called the black messiah till i heard that d'angelo the vanguard album mm -hmm. called black messiah mm -hmm. it was about and I was fred like, hampton yeah it was about fred hampton yeah also let's not let it be missed that they were purposefully sown discord like you put people in there to cause problems mm -hmm. and that became the narrative that most of the public understands about the black panthers not that they tested millions like almost the entirety of the black population for sickle cell like among themselves that mm -hmm. they did that you know they didn't feed entire cities right. of children well that they didn't actually create the free food program yeah that public schools have now right. yeah they adopted it because there was the no formal yeah. yeah there was no such thing as like feeding children breakfast in the morning and giving them free lunch like that wasn't a thing until the black panther party started that the thing about the black panther party in particular was that they understood social movement and change from a holistic perspective in that you cannot march on selma if you're hungry like mm, you can't, you, mm -hmm. you cannot, you know, right. uh, revolt if yeah. you don't have your basic needs met. Yeah. So it was a very humanizing ideology, pedagogy in which they said, okay, people need their needs met. And also understood that poverty is one of the devices of oppression. Mm, yeah. So that if we can try to eliminate this, then we can then give people messaging to help yeah. them understand like, okay, your plight is as it is because of these systems that are, you know, relegating you to these, yeah. to the ghetto and, you know, mm -hmm. keeping you unemployed and tearing your family apart and incarcerating you. Him having that oratory gift specifically, again, goes back to that Malcolm X thing, that like ability to have your street knowledge mm -hmm. and your intelligence in one place. Mm -hmm. And then, and him being like a physical presence. Like, I think that's a lot of times we forget like, Fred Hampton was a big dude, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? He, and, so he was a great orator, he rallied youth. He also crossed so many different gang lines and helped helped them to realize what you're saying, that, mm -hmm. hey, poverty's our enemy here, not each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what made him ultimately dangerous and that why they took him out was because he was able to to rally workers' unions, gangs, like oh, black and Latino. Broker peace treaties broker among peace black and brown communities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. what was it, uh, all power so to all guy. the people? Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, you mean the guy that just ended street violence in the city, <laughs> killed that guy? Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It benefits people at the top for us to be divided and for yeah. us to be fighting each other gives them less to do. Yeah, one of my favorite, I guess uh, it's kind of like a lecture he's doing. You can watch it on YouTube. You know, I think people also forget, like you can, every almost everyone we're talking about, there might be a recording of them somewhere on the internet. And he's like doing this political education. He says, we're not gonna fight racism with racism we're going to fight it with solidarity we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism we're going mm. to fight it with socialism mm. you know and he goes down the list of saying you know that you know he's really explaining like this system has us fighting people who are really not ultimately our enemies yeah you know yeah and i agree that that had to be something that's anytime you see people that are building multi-racial coalitions mm -hmm. that start focusing on economics and not, not saying that those two things are different, but I mean, that is something that has historically, I mean, think about Bacon's it's Rebellion. Yeah. Like that's that's when the yeah. stuff started. It's yeah. like, you know, you had these these poor poor whites or at least uh, non-elite uh, whites yeah. and enslaved people 
about to collaborate on like you know confronting the planter class yeah and then that's when they were like oh no 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 we gotta we gotta make sure that we can keep them from coming together and that was a huge part of trying to ramp up you know racial tension in america so that we Mm -hmm. don't i think that fred hampton was doing that same thing you know with talking in that same video he's talking about like you might be black and you say you know i hate hillbillies which i guess it was a a, a common term for her talking about you know poor whites back then yeah or you might you might be uh you might be hillbilly and say that you hate black people and he's trying to like really uh, get people to see past those divides yeah as a a very important like narrative shift. Like I think it's important to always include when you talk about the Panthers, their uh, the their ten demands, the ten point. Um, what are they? A ten point program. That's what it was called. Uh, number one, it's it was we want now. What we want now. Number one is we want freedom. We want power to determine the destiny of our black community. Number two, we want full employment for our people. Number three, we want an end to the robbery by the white man of our black community. And it was later changed to, we want an end to the robbery by the capitalists of our black and oppressed communities. Number four, we want decent housing fit for shelter of human beings. Number five, we want education for our people that exposes the true nature of this decadent American society. We want education that teaches us our true history and our role in the present day society. Number six, we want all black men to be exempt from military service. Number seven, we want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. Number eight, we want freedom for all black men held in federal, state, county, and city prisons and jails. Number nine, we want all black people when brought to trial to be tried in a court by a jury of their peer group or people from their black communities as defined by the constitution of the United States. We want land, we want bread, we want housing, we want closing, we want justice, we want peace. Amen. Amen. And then they go into this crazy thing. They go into what we believe. And then they just basically recite the first two paragraphs of the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> Such shade. Or just like, this is what we believe. We believe. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are it's like, yeah. you know, we don't want anything different than you want. You know? Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty radical. Actually, I would agree with all that today. Like still. It's yeah. all relevant. It's all important. Mm-hmm. And in some of those points of the policy, specifically the one about education, when you talk about white privilege, that's always been something that I've pointed out or, you know, people have had conversations with about white privilege because people act like they don't understand what it is. But it's about, you know, just taking for granted, for instance, that you can send your children to school and they'll be taught their history. That, yeah. You know, like. Yeah, mm-hmm. thoughts never cross your mind. It did, right. yeah, yeah, you can just yeah. do that. You can just send them to any school and the textbook is going to tell them about where they came from and what their people did and what they accomplished and how great they were. And so, and and a lot of it, you know, we know it's, it's a bunch of lies. But, um, <laughs> but still, you know, it's a version of history and they get that information and it helps to create their identity and helps to empower them, et cetera, et cetera. And that's something that, Black and brown children don't have. And so the number five in the 10-point policy about wanting education for our people that exposes the true nature of the decadent American society and education that teaches us our true history 
in our role is still very radical, especially when you consider revisionist history mm-hmm. now, you know, having it say and minimizing the harm that's been caused to indigenous and black people in the United States. And I think number nine, when when they're talking about the carceral system and talking about being tried by a jury of your peers, that sounds very similar to what white people have the luxury of experiencing. But when we talk about how we want to see an end to the carceral system, mm-hmm. and when we talk about how we actually don't feel like we need prisons, we, we want justice that is communal. We want to be able to call people in, if you will, and mm-hmm. have their community come and to help them to make better choices, steering away from this punitive system. So that is also like very radical in a way, even though they're talking about the carceral system mm-hmm. and the uh, justice system as it currently stands, yeah. we understand. Yeah, it's based on a, a, a general belief, which they have no reason not to think this, that the the black man or woman that was on trial was had a jury of all white people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm not going to get a fair trial anyway. Right. And everybody you incarcerated went on trial with an unfair racist jury. So why you didn't even try them well. Mm-hmm. So like why I can't trust you. I can't trust your system. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like I was talking to uh, one of my homies and he was talking about like when you have sort of this mass incarceration specifically in black and brown communities and you take away our elders or in his case, he's Filipino, in his case, you deport them. What you miss is that part, like the what she was saying, the call you in or like even in like gang communities, like the OGs like call you in and just like I could, I mm-hmm. could, I would have the right to like, hit one of my OGs and be like, yo, Andre's like tripping. Like, I don't know what's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Can y'all just holler at him? And he would get a call from the big homies like, hey, sit down, like what? Yeah. Yo, you need to chill, you know what I'm saying? Like, and and having that as part of our justice, like, yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah. I would right. listen so much faster to like mm-hmm. a board of elders, if you will, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, being like, get it together yeah you know what i'm saying people that look like you and yeah come from where you, you know come what i'm saying because they know what i'm dealing with right you know? and right. that's a restorative justice yeah. and transformative justice model which is really ancient it's ancient it's black as hell that's 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 an <laughs> yeah. african and indigenous way of dealing yeah. with crime and so even though like i said they were talking about the justice system as as it stood at that time and as yeah. they understood it um including your peers in that process is also very, very, can potentially be uh, restorative. Mm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black History is American History.